2: G'day guys, welcome back to the Rugby League Guru Podcast. Got a Christmas party tonight, so probably won't be in my best form tomorrow morning to be recording, so I'll probably wait until the afternoon realistically. So I thought it would be a good opportunity as we are in December. We're coming up to the end of the year to go through some of the best podcasts from season 2021 on the Rugby League Guru Podcast. It's been a cracking year, a year of huge growth and whatnot. It's been very exciting. One of the most exciting things about this year was the addition of the Dream Team Podcast. I absolutely love doing these, and I can see by the numbers that you guys guys really enjoy them as well so there's a bit more content heading into the back end here we'll be re-uploading some of those for you guys to have a listen to some throwback podcasts i know i've had a lot of new people join the podcast this year which is very exciting had a lot of new people join the podcast over the last three months as well to be fair so a lot of these people probably wouldn't have heard a lot of these podcasts from previous times so i'm going to be re-uploading some of them as little throwback content They will only be the best of the best in my opinion and this one was a cracker this was the first ever dream team uh, that we did. This one was with Isaac John from YKTR, former Manly Siegel, New Zealand Warrior, and Penrith Panthers. Also represented uh, the Kiwis as well. I think he played one game there for the Kiwis against the Kangaroos. So done it all in rugby league. Isaac has obviously gone on to be very successful outside of rugby league. I'm sure you would be seeing him on social media everywhere, especially over the last week with Brandon Smith and whatnot. Very interesting times for Isaac and YKTR. Exciting times as well. But this was recorded at the start of the NRL season. We went through Isaac's Best team ever. Bit of a general chat as well, but then we dive into his best 13. This is some of the best content the guru has to offer, in my opinion. These dream teams, they are unreal. We did Nathan Cleary the other day, a really interesting chat. Other guys like Jamie Soward and a few others have featured as well. So you can go back and have a listen to those, or over the next month of December, they will be dropping as well for you guys to have a listen to. Let's kick it off with Isaac John's dream team. welcome back to the rugby league guru podcast today i'm joined once again by a special guest he came on about august last year we sort of went through his career his life so far there's been a lot of changes over the last 12 months as well isaac john welcome back on mate thanks for having me on
1: brother pumped to be here
2: Mate, tell me, it's been about 12 months. I think it was August last year when we had you on. Uh, there's been a lot of changes just from the outside looking in at YKTR. I mean, Jackson's arrived. Um, you've obviously got Scope who's come on board. The Hurricane and Jordan Simi's arrived as well. Tell me, mate, what's been the high of the last 12 months for you?
1: Um, I don't know, just sort of coming to work and sort of seeing everyone sort of like happy is pretty cool. Uh, everyone was living completely different lives and they've all sort of left to come work for YKTR or YKTR sports. So that makes you feel good, bro.
2: Tell so, mate, what's been the low of the last 12 months? Have you had to pick something?
1: I can't think of one, eh, to be honest. I know with highs come lows and all that sort of stuff, but I don't I don't have any. I've got nothing to complain about. Just yeah, right. grateful for everything.
2: And how have you found uh, COVID has affected you guys, mate? Once again, from the outside looking in, it looks like you kind of enjoyed that challenge and that transition during this pretty tough period for a lot of people.
1: Yeah, just from a personal standpoint, I've gone into that 75 hard. So, like, I'm training twice a day. I'm eating super clean. i um, I'm doing, I'm working a lot of projects that I've been putting off. So from a personal standpoint, I'm kind of enjoying it and I, I, I'm mindful when I say that because I know there's a lot of people struggling and I've got friends that got small businesses and they're really doing it tough. But just from a personal standpoint, I kind of like these challenges. I think it sets you up for that next phase once you come out of it. So if you're grinding in this time, you're going to get the benefits of it from the other times and it kind of forces you to plan. So... I've always knew something was going to come and it's going to happen. That really happened last year for YKTR. We, we we became a stronger business off the back of it. So I really enjoy these. These remind me of like pre-seasons. Like you got your head down, it's fucking tough. You don't really want to be there. But kind of when you come out of it, you look back and you're like, oh shit. It was, it was there
2: for a reason. I'll tell you, mate, watching you over the last few years has been interesting for me. Obviously, you know, you used to live in like Alexandria, Rosebury sort of area, which is where I live now. So it was sort of you... You know, going around all the same place that I go to, you've now moved down to Bondi. I I lived in North Bondi for about two or three years when I was a kid. I lived with my grandparents for a couple of years and every morning it's just like going down the old path that I used to go down. It's changed a lot, but it looks like you're absolutely loving life down there yeah it's just
1: like uh, I think Batuta Advocate put up a post a while ago um, Got never feel bad after a swim <laughs> <laughs> they never miss eh <laughs> uh, it's so true man like like me and Scope went for like a 6k run this morning and went for a swimming coffee talk shit and jump in the car and here I am talking to you so it's a great way to start the day it's a beautiful part of the world um, there's, a, there's a good energy around like I love, I love Sydney's energy some people come here um, get chewing up and spat out and like if you don't adapt to the energy um, that's going to happen but it's like sort of got this hustlers mentality and people get it confused sometimes, but I love the energy and Bondi's people always say there's two, oh, someone told me one time, there's two parts of Bondi. There's the morning and the night time. You can't live both. You rather be around the people in the morning and they're the ones that are genuinely happy. So there's a couple of people that I talk to every day and down there, like five in the morning, it's always the same people like Trent Knox runs the Four Forty Run club. I train with him some days and they're always in a good mood. A lot of the people are a lot older, uh, but they're usually the ones with the best story. So I like hanging around those types of people.
2: Mate, obviously you're on here today to go through your 1-13, your dream team of all time, which I can't wait to get into. Before we do, uh, the NRL this year, mate, uh, I guess a lot of people have described it as a two-horse race the last few months. Uh, then all of a sudden, Turbo, he returned from injury. He's been on fire. He might even get a feature in your team today. We'll talk about him soon. But how do you see it playing out in the back end?
1: Um, I've got I've got two theories on this. So one of them is, so I'll go back on 2009, 2012. The best players were Jared Hain and Ben Barber. I think Tommy Turbo is putting together one one of those types of seasons when you relate them back to a year. So, you know, we got Benji 05, Jared Hayne 09, Benny Barber. It's going to be Tommy Turbo 21. And um, that's just how it is. And in both those years, when when that player was playing at such a high caliber, they went all the way to the final and they played Melbourne in the final and Melbourne beat them both times. So I do like that analogy. I had an, I've i got another one in my mind where you think of uh, Penrith Panthers, 1990, who'd they play? Canberra Raiders. And I remember my guy telling a story, he goes, when we played the Canberra Raiders the first time, we were warming up and I looked across the field and they just looked bigger and stronger than everyone else. Obviously had Mal and, and apparently the boys on the Canberra milk and all that sort of stuff. But the second year, 1991, they come back and that time when they looked across the field, they didn't seem as opposing or as as scared as what they were. So those are my two analogies. I think it's a three-horse race. I think South leaked, leaked too many points. Um, if you leak those types of points against uh, Melbourne or Penrith, you're going to get caught. Um, but I see those two scenarios happen. It's either a repeat and Penrith play Melbourne, and it's very similar to the 1991 sort of vibe. And then um, the other way is uh, Manly and Melbourne as well. And that, those teams got history as well. So they've been sort of the sort of the rivalry for a long time. So I see that sort of happening. I started thinking about weird stuff as well. Had another one where Penrith were 91 champions in my mind, I thought Ivan had um, played in the 2001 grand final, but he was actually 2002. 2002. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then like I, I started rambling across these things and then I was like, Oh, the Warriors made 2011 grand final. So every, every 10 years, Ivan's <laughs> making a grand final. So I go through all these fucking random scenarios. Um, but I just see that Manly one playing out for some reason. I don't know. Uh, like, it's a superstar league right now. You you pull Tommy Turbo away, Manly scrape scrape into a win. You pull Nathan Cleary out. are fucking struggling against, like, you know what I mean? They scrape into a win. You pull Munster out. You got, you got Melbourne flat out trying to beat the Cowboys. So, I, I like superstar leagues. I reference basketball a lot and you need superstars in there. Um, but I think it's never been more obvious than it is right now.
2: I think, yeah, just to play Rain Man with you for a couple of seconds, on top of the uh, Hano 09, Barber 12, if you look back to 2017, for me, the two best players in the comp by country mile were Tao Malolo and Michael Morgan, also yep. played the Melbourne Storm in that grand final. And, I mean, I think they won that one by 30 points. I think that 2017 is one of the best sides ever. And on top of your Penrith Panthers theory, if they do make it to that grand final, a uh, l- little bit of potential jam on the Clive Churchill medalist. 91, Roy Simmons scores two tries. 2003, Luke Pretis scores a Luke try. Look, happy Curacao, man. Keep an eye on him. He's been in a bit of trouble lately, so hopefully he can get his shit together. Proper <laughs> Barney Rubble. Bad day to be happy Curacao. Mate, let's dive oh. into uh, our dream team. And at fullback, uh, obviously a position that has been dominated by so many superstars in our game over the last 15 years. And right now, I mean, is it the golden era of fullbacks or what? I
1: think they have the biggest influence on the game. I think the way, um, like, like, I always use basketball. So, we'll, like the Tommy Turbos, the Tedesco's, they've had great reference points to sort of build off the back off. And Billy Slater has been the guy. Um, but yeah, it is like, I think they're the most valuable. They touch the ball a lot. They make the most yards. They, with the way their shape is played right now, they're usually the person that throws the last pass. So, they're kind of like stacking. Um, their stats a little bit, like padding their stats up, because a lot of the time, Tommy Turbo is just passing to Reuben Garrick, and that's a TA, you know what I mean? That's a try assist, so it's kind of a lopsided one, but it is, bro, it is. It, they're so influential right now, and we're, we're blessed. We're blessed with so many great fullbacks. Like, you go, you, you, name, name your top five fullbacks right now.
2: Oh, I, I'd go Turbo, I would have Teddy in there, i'd have about 15 guys from the fucking melbourne storm at the moment it's unreal (laughs) they've got top five fullbacks playing five eight and half back realistically i'd have pappy in there um i'd still have roger in there i know that he probably hasn't been at the same level those other guys this year but i would still have him up there and i mean we haven't mentioned guys like gutho i haven't mentioned kp yet like it's unreal the depth in the position at the moment
1: yeah and kp is my favorite player and we we jumped on the podcast the other week and obviously when he shows glimpses like what he can do in origin with quality players around him, it's really exciting to see, but man, like, like we said, I mean, KP's maybe scraping into the top five and he, he's one of the most exciting players to watch. So um, it's, it's, it's one of those, like, I think rugby league always goes for periods or like early two thousands, like fuck who's the best center. We had Hodges, we had Gaznia, Cooper, Jamie Lyon, all these types of guys like that coming through. And I think it's just gravitated towards a uh, fullbacks league right now. And it, it'll change all to go back to something else. I think 13s are really important right now. Um, I reference this conversation a lot. Like, I bumped into Trent Robinson down in Bronte Beach, and um, he goes, Your spine is now five players. So, he obviously, your halves, your hooker, your fullback, and your 13. And he goes, The dream is to have all five players that can pass, not just pass the ball, but pass at an elite level where they can strip people. Um, worst case scenario, he, one of them that can't pass and um, he talked about Cole Flanagan and and this a lot so he goes once Victor Radley went down there was a lot more pressure on Cole Flanagan and obviously he's a half who can pass but he can't he he wasn't able to see the plays at the right time so it got him into a bit of trouble he looked great when Victor Radley was there so you're talking about your spines you need all five that can pass that's the dream you you start and like you see you see Penriff start to get in a little bit of trouble so Dylan Brown can make a pass but like out nine times oh like out of 10 times, he may be him maybe 50%, 60%. That's probably not enough yep. for that level. And then once Isaiah Yell starts, like he gets a head knock and he goes off, you just see them start to like tighten up and everything looks a, little, looks a little bit clunky. So it's a great thing to pay attention to. So once he told me that, I was like, shit, that makes sense.
2: I think also, mate, with that Penrith side, uh, you know, you, you look at the way, especially with all the shape that they're able to throw out the left-hand side, it's unreal, but they're one of the few teams that really even use their fullback in that shape. Like you don't see Dylan Edwards even coming down that edge all that much. It's amazing to think, I mean, if they did have a James Tedesco or Tom Trevojevic who played a little bit more down that left edge, I mean, it's already probably the most dangerous edge in the game. Imagine what it could be if you had, you know, a fullback, as you said, with a slightly higher passing IQ, it'd be unreal.
1: Yeah. And, um, but then he he balances it out with like running like meters and stuff like that. But if you, if you really pay attention to the way that Penrith played, and this is like a bit of education for people that don't understand, they've basically ripped off um, pen, uh, Cowboys back in the day. So what had happened is like Lachlan Coote and um, Michael Morgan, they were both sort of fighting for that fullback position. Robert Louis went down. So the way they changed their whole shape was J- JT would hold the middle of the field. Lachlan Coote, or Lachlan Coote was left side and then Michael Morgan was right side. So John Cartwright was the coach at the time when they won the competition he rolled down to Manly he brought that system down to Manly Manly copied that Trent Barron found out that took it over to Penrith and it sort of just evolved from there but it suits their style of play because Jerome Luai is great left side player um, but he can sort of cover all the way across where Dylan Edwards I called him Dylan Brown before I always seem to do that Um, he can just cover that right side and it takes away that that deficiency as well Rooster's done it for their um, period as well when Minichello wasn't a great passing.
2: Yep. But they used
1: to just run that shape like a little bit different. But um, it's a great way to play, especially if you've got a Nathan Cleary there.
2: Mate, you mentioned the Manly Seagulls there. And obviously the fullback you have uh, selected here is Tom Javorovic. And I know that this year there's been a lot of comparisons to Haino 9, Barber 12. For me... I think he's passed him. I think oh, he's Barber. Mate, Barber. I think he well and truly has. I mean, I think for me this thing that stands out for me with Turbo is that, you know, Hayne and Barber... Their forwards Like, they sort of had to win the ruck for them to get on the front foot. If Manly aren't winning the ruck, Turbo just goes and fucking wins it himself. He just says, give me the pill. I'll win it for us. Like, oh, I've never seen a fullback doing what he's doing at the moment. You see your markers in a little bit of disarray, and he just appears on the A and is just ready to go. I think he's incredible at the moment.
1: Yeah, just the physical presence as well. Yep. He's six-foot, bro. He can kick off both feet. He could have easily rolled into AFL. Um, he's got a really – he's a really smart kid as well. Like, I think he was – like. Like, really, really smart. So, we were playing nines one time. Um, I was playing for Manly, and he was able to figure out, like, the points differential just off the top of his head of how much we'd need. If we lost the next game, he could figure out in his head, bro. He's kind of, like, fucked up smart. Like, that's how smart he is. So, he's got this, and sometimes sometimes I think the universe always balances it out. So, a lot of the times you see super talented people, but they're kind of lazy, but they can, can kind of get past. We get by and then the other side is the guy of no talent but he works his fucking ass off and he, he'll balance it out Tommy's like he goes against nature he's super talented he's super smart he actually cares about winning he's fit he's fast like there's no flaw in this game whatsoever and it's fucking scary and he actually cares about manly he cares about winning I've never seen someone take a loss so hard than him and his brother be round three against fucking West Tigers and they lose the boys are in their sheds it looks like they're gonna cry like, they'll drag it into Monday, Tuesday too. Like, can't pick your fucking head up. <laughs> mate,
2: oh, I think this year, you know, he's obviously had a vast array of highlights that have been unreal. But the moment that stood out for me was a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember who they were playing, but Perseca he had a bit of a lazy play in defense. And, mate, I'm not sure if you saw it, but Tom Trevojevic looked like he gave him one of the all-time sprays. And without knowing Tommy personally, I never really thought, he was going to be that sort of dude, but it's like, he's come of age. He realizes how good he is now and the impact he can have and the standards he's setting. It just feels like to me football wise, but also mentally, he's just gone to a new level.
1: And obviously like um, that injury at the start of the year, um, getting publicly shamed. I think he's off to pitch right now. So he's, he's fully focused on trying to be the best player he can be. And, he, and we, you look at Jared Hain 09 and um, Benny Barber and that, like they didn't like, they didn't have Cherry Evans and Foz. Yep they had Daniel Mortimer, Jeff Robson, they had Trent Hawkinson and Josh Reynolds, all great players in their own right, but they they can't create the way that DCE can create and the way that Fozzie can create as well. So that's probably the one thing that they've got on their side as well. Manly, uh, we talked about this yesterday with Scope, like Manly have always that type, Ivan Cleary said this to me, he goes, as long as Manly have been around, it doesn't matter if they're up by two, up by four, up by 14, up by 44, if they're 10 minutes off the line, 20 minutes, if the pass is on, they'll just throw it don't yeah. they So they've always been able to breed really natural footballers that aren't as scared to f- flow it and aren't as scared to be like a little bit overweight and sort of stuff. They're just, they're just pure footballers, the manly club. And it must be something in the woodwork because it just carries over and over and over. And that game on the weekend, we're watching a video back on it. It's hard to do video on them because, like, you know, when you play Penrith, you know, when you play Melbourne, they're like, oh, we're going to get them to the left and post and they're going to run this shape back. Manly just zing it and then yeah. play off the back of it. And then to top that off, they've got Tommy Turbo, who's got great rugby league IQ. He'll check blindside. All right, you got Dane Laurie there. Let me just give me the ball and just I'll run over the top of him. And it's he's at that point right now, 10 meters off the line, one-on-one, one-on-two. There's not too many people that can stop him. And GI sort of had that effect about him for a couple of years when he was at the Rabbitohs where you're like, fuck, he's got that about him.
2: Can I ask you, mate, if we would have done this six months ago before this season started, is Turbo your fullback or are you going Slater? Nah,
1: nah. nah I would have gone Slater for yeah. sure. Um, I know Tedesco's there and he, he's one of the great players. Um, I don't know, it's just something about these other two that sort of stick out a bit more. And and like Tommy Turbo's gone on to, oh, I mean, um, Tedesco's gone on to do some great things and win comps and origin series and now he's the captain. I don't know just something about the mother two stick out a bit more for me and i i can't put my finger on it
2: for me mate i've, I've always said and you know may, may, maybe it's getting further away from being right but i've always said that tedesco for me is the better fullback but turbo is just the better footballer and you can just put him anywhere and when he is playing fullback he's just such a naturally good footballer that like it, it's hard to compensate for what he does
1: yeah and i think just physical presence like i think he sticks out a bit more like when you're sitting at a a Brookie over on the stand, you see him like run out that tunnel and his head's almost scraping the top. Like sometimes you don't realize how big football players are until you're standing next to him and stuff like that. So he's kind of just got this like big aura about him where, when he when at the moment, when he walks on the field, like you're like, Oh shit. Like he's fucking, he's fucking big. (laughs) And then he's fucking running like lightning and he's fit as the first, first time, first time I was at Manly, um, we done a 2.2 K time trial. Like him and Cherry Evans basically sprinted. Like first day of training, November the first, them two like sprinted the whole thing. I was like, "What the fuck's going on?" Do you know who beat them <laughs> both? Jamie Lyon.
2: Uh, I tell you what, doesn't actually shock me. What, what he just? Didn't, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about him later, of course. But mate, let's dive into our wingers, and uh, you're going for some some big bits of gear here. The first guy is Semi I Only played a couple of years in the NRL, but no stranger to uh, to the promised land.
1: Um. Yeah. Last time I played an NRL game, I tried to tackle him around the legs, and he stretched a nerve in my neck, and I couldn't lift my arm for like six weeks. So he he, he put basically ended my career. Uh, <laughs> nah. But just just his style. Um. But I know I know Beamles. Like when you think of the game's great, and that's just longevity, and he's been been able to do it over a long time, bro. But when Madraja was in his prime, fuck. It was scary, bro. It was scary. He could do everything, could score from long distance, could finish off an easy try, had a tough carry, great in the year. Um, He kind of had that, like, you know, we used to stop and look at you and then like goose and then he could take you outside. But if he went over, he'd come under hard and I'll tell you a story. So when Paro flying and Normie was flying, um, Vunivalu started flying. Um, he started getting a name for himself as well. And the boys are getting into my training and going like Bulla Bulla, like, um, he's the best Fijian in the comp right now. And if you remember a game where he came out in the first 10 minutes, got the ball, <laughs> just ran straight at him, palmed him off. And I think they scored like a long distance try and just put an absolute clinic on him. And obviously, with all the Fijians, boys, they're pretty laid back and relaxed and they pick and choose when they play. But when he decided to play fuck when they
2: play, it's over.
1: Yeah, when they play and the arm starts coming out. And I always say this only Fijians and Indigenous boys can do a chip do a chip. It'd be like you know, when you do a chip, you want it to be like a perfect. They're the only only races that can do a chip like this and it'll bounce up and back in their hands. Only them two. Fijians and all the indigenous boys. They're just freakish football talents.
2: Mate, ninety four games. He scored eighty two tries. I mean, that is just unreal. About a dollar thirty for an any timer.
1: Yeah, and like their their like their edge used to dominate where it was like Normie, um, Manu Mal, Brad Takarangi, and him, and bro, it was such a good edge to watch at the time. And he was on the end of it. But like I said, he just had an X factor. And when he wanted to turn it on, I kind of like those guys that just pick and choose when they play obviously if you're a fan you want them to turn up every week but something special about those guys I like them
2: mate uh, another guy that you've picked on the other wing uh, very similar character of course didn't play as much in the NRL uh, has had a pretty decorated career and a life Israel Folau uh, I remember the year he burst onto the scene for Melbourne out on the right sting uh, I think he played every single game and he went 20 plus tries in his first season and he was a teenager I mean that first season for Melbourne was unbelievable
1: yeah, like I uh, always say this as well. Some some talents don't deserve to stay in the league for a long time. You look at Raj Raj, Raj, Raj. you look at um, Sonny Bill Williams, you look at Israel Folau. He's one of those guys. His talent is so good that the whole world needs to see it, not just Australia. So I'll, I love Folau. Um, obviously, he probably bought the fifth tackle. He made the fifth tackle more important than what it was historically before that where and it almost got to the point bro where they were going to change the rules because he was scoring two more new tries that like, our oh, rugby league is getting boring now everyone's just kicking like if you score off a kick it should only be worth three points standard fucking rugby league trying to change the rules every three seconds but man he was just good he was balanced um got to play him a few times and same thing bro like when you run out of the tunnel and they're the home team uh, honestly man you always look for a couple players like when it, you just like it's like you're a kid, bro, and you see the big islander kid and you know he's going to run over the top of you. When you play those guys, you just look for him. And those types of guys have the X factor or whatever it is. You kind of half beat yourself, you half psych yourself out. And he was one of the
2: guys that had that type of appeal. So you well, what, you just entered my head for the first 15 years of my life. I don't think I met a Polynesian fella that didn't run over the top of me. <laughs> Mate, um, Israel Falau. For me, the moment that I'll never remember, and I can't remember exactly the year, but it's a try that he scored in Origin where he oh, leaped yeah. above Anthony Quinn. I'm not sure if he's come down yet. That was unbelievable.
1: A crazy, crazy. So that athletic ability, um, like if House of Highlights and stuff was around, like or Instagram was a lot bigger, man, that would have gone global.
2: Mate, let's dive into the centers and two of my favorite players of all time. I think that if I had to pick my centers, I think it would be these two. Let's start with Jamie Lyon first, mate. Killer. Um A guy, an unbelievable career, obviously kicked off at the Parramatta Eels. And I think people forget, I mean, he was the best centre in the game. He was the kangaroo centre and decided, "Mm, rugby league's not for me. I might take off now. Just like unbelievable to think that he then went over to England. He was the man of steel there. He came back to Manly and he became arguably one of Manly's best ever players. One of their best ever captains as well. An incredible career.
1: Yeah, loved loved everything. I always loved Jamie Lyon from a very young age. Um, I just always paid attention to him. And when I was putting his team together, I said it to Jackson. He goes, "Why would you pick Jamie Lyon?" I go, "But he was fucking turning down Origin teams because he just didn't want to play." Fuck,
2: so Ten years, like, man. We begged him every fucking year. <laughs> Wouldn't help us yeah. out. It's unbelievable.
1: I'm one fucking stop GI, please. <laughs> nah, uh, but when when you when and a lot of the and a lot of the greats like Joey and all put sort of Jamie Lyon in that position as well, and. Um, he, he just never fucked up two on twos or, or three on twos. He could always put that that player away. Not, not a, His winger was always close to top try scorer every single year. He was just a great player to watch and, and just an out and out pure center. Had a dog's body as well. You used to love it. <laughs> I don't know. And I obviously got the chance in his last year at Manly I was there. Um, tr- I was a professional trainer. I was injured the whole time. But just great to be around. Um, fun guy. Like he'd never fucking train, and then he'd just come on and we'll do edge on edge, bro. And just like, fuck. It was just, just wasn't fair. Like, you used to look at him and you're like, fuck, you're a mess. Your body sucks. And you just, fuck, he just had it, bro. He just had it. Like like the rest of the guys in the team, some some dudes just have it and he was it, bro. He just didn't look like he had it, but he had it.
2: Well, I think for me, mate, when I think back to Jamie Lyon, probably the thing that I remember the most is how many times you'd see Manly land on like 60 or 70%. And instead of coming back to hit their halves. I mean, Jamie Lyon was a genuine option on every single last tackle, and the amount of times they would go to him and he would kick it back infield and Snake would just appear there, or he'd force a repeat set, or as you said, he'd just pull something out of his ass to put his winger over. It was like having a 5'8 playing at centre. He had that sort of skill set
1: yeah and that was a great sort of we done that in training one time so I was playing 5-8 with these boys and um, Killer just goes like "Oh, just give it air and um, like you said so I, I was first receiver zinged it all the way out to him and what that does the wingers obviously got to come up and the fullbacks got to cover like that and then boom little banana and the snakes just cruising through just going it was, it was impressive to watch man and obviously when you play the football together for that long you build up a bit of a chemistry and they didn't have to say too much they just knew what they were doing you just had to do what they, were, what they wanted so it was good Easy,
2: mate. Your other centre that you've picked, uh, Gi, of course, uh, played a lot of his career at fullback. Uh, also, won uh, Clive Churchill at 5'8". He was the best five eight in the game at one point. He was the best fullback in the game at one point. Centre, though, especially in the Origin arena, he just dominated. I fuck. I feel sorry for the poor list of bastards that had to play right centre for New South Wales.
1: Yeah, and like, um obviously, very similar to um, Latrell and and Tommy at the moment, where like they're playing fullback, but they're at centre. You don't have to run. You get all the energy. And once you get that clean ball, and I think football's gone back to the early 2000s where it's a lot quicker and sometimes the best ha- um, plays are not big shapes, but just get the ball to your center. And, man, he was just special. I think we could sit here and talk about him all day. But like I said, like same thing I've said about these other guys. When you walk on the field, like you're like, oh, fuck, GI, GI. Like, we used to do video when we were playing the Rabbitohs and like, half of it was on GI. Like this is how he gets the ball. This is how he carries the ball. You need to be up in his face. And all you want, all you're worried about is fucking getting palmed in the face. Or if you go low, he's going to offload anyway. So um, I think a couple of times I played him, he was just, you know, he could pick and choose his games. Yep. He was in, he was a more cruise mode. So grateful for that.
2: <laughs> Thank God you will not playing origin. Cause I'll tell you what, from a new South point of view, he picked his fucking moments there.
1: And like, remember Tommy, like we're talking about Tommy as like one of the games greats at the moment when Tommy was, carrying the ball, but GI is just pumping him. I know Tommy's a little bit younger, but still fuck.
2: Mate, let's move into our halves. and uh your five eight jersey. Uh probably the age old question. Freddie or Lockie? Uh you, you've written both down here. Tell me, um tell me the positives of both, mate. Two of my favorite players of all time.
1: Um, I grew up watching Freddie. Um, I like his demeanor. Obviously, he's been a great benefit off the back of, like, the Blues camp as well. Just sort of that laid-back character that you'd probably love to play with as well. Um, Great carry of the ball. I used to love when he used to just sing a ball, like something special about it, very similar to, like, a Timmy Smith or a Jared Mullen. He just sort of had that that force behind it. Uh, big game player too. Like, yeah. tough, tough. So, um, the other side, Lockyer, man, I think he just sort of changed the way that that the the game was played in terms of playing out the back and all that sort of block shape. Um this is highlight package going around where it's Knights versus Broncos and it's very much just like first receiver, Lockier yeah. versus John's better. It's one of my favorite games to watch. So man, I'm stuck between them. But if I had to pick, I'd probably go Lockier. Yeah. You?
2: Uh personally might I would go Freddie. I've um I, I think Freddie's in in one way of looking at it, I think he's the most complete footballer we've seen. If you said to me you can only pick one guy 17 times in a team, I think for me it would be Freddie. He was the best five eight, the best centre, the best lock forward in the game, depending on what jersey you threw him and Fuck, dare I say, he would have been one of the best back rowers as well, realistically. I hear the argument for Lockie, and it's very close. I mean, I think we forget that Lockie was the best fullback in the game before he moved to 5'8". Then he was the best 5'8 in the game. And I think that transition now, because Lockie did it so easy, fuck, I feel for guys like KP, that people are like, oh, Darren Lockie did it. It's like, fuck, it's a tough mm-hmm. gig. It is it is a hard thing to be able to do. And I mean, we've seen so many guys that have tried to do it. I mean, I remember when they when they tried to do it with Hainesy. You know, I, it didn't really work for me. They might not have given it enough time. But I think people underappreciate how hard ma- that, that transition is because Lockie just made it look so easy.
1: Yeah, but even his first couple of games, I think he was struggling a bit because he was up in the D line and they're trying to target him as well. But yeah, you, you're probably right about it, Freddie. If you got to pick one player across your 13, um, I uh, I thought we we're rolling out of 17. I kind of had him in. Um, oh, he'd be the perfect 14, wouldn't he? Oh, no,
2: mate, it would be unreal. <laughs> He's just I yeah. I, you, you you picked a fantastic lock forward. I think I would have probably had Freddie at 13 if I could because I just feel yeah, like you've got also- to have him in this team. I right, mate, could you imagine him in the modern game playing 13? Fuck, it's over.
1: Yeah, kiddies. Yeah, you will probably right there. Um, yeah, because I, yeah, we'll roll into it anyway.
2: Mate, uh, let's move to the halfback. Uh, picks himself, Joey Johns. And, um, mate, I, I did a deep dive on Joey the other day and I'm interested to hear your opinion on it. Um, obviously, Joey, he achieved so much in his career. It was unbelievable. At the age of 31, the injuries start and, From memory, what I was talking about the other day, I think he played like 40 games out of his last 120 that he possibly could. In the midst of that was the 2005 Origin Series. Dare I say, one of the most dominant performances on the biggest stages of all time. You have a look at Brad Fittler post-30, Grand Final 2000, Premiership 02, Grand Final 03, Grand Final 04. You look at Cooper Cronk, his last three years in first grade, uh, Premiership, Premiership, Premiership across two clubs. Mm -hmm. I honestly think we missed out on potentially the most complete football from Andrew Johns, the most matured football, you know, you get post 30 and there's nothing that they haven't seen. And we saw Joey come in off an injury where, I mean, he'd, he'd played peanuts for eight weeks. He came in and played origin and absolutely dominated. I think Joey's got an unreal career immortal 100%, but I honestly think we missed out on the best of Joey.
1: Yeah, it's sad. It's, and obviously like, Sports science was probably a thing back like then as well, um, and the way he sort of lived life as well, which kind of makes him a lot cooler. Yeah. Like I, obviously, Clint Newton's a close friend of mine, and when I first got to Penrith, like I, bro, I'm a Newcastle fan, I remember had being there. Like, tell me all the stories about Joey, and you hear all these different stories and stuff. And like the one where like he was surfing, his <laughs> game day, and the surf was too good, and he rocks up late, skips the whole warm up. Hags has gone, where the fuck you been? He goes, nah, surf was too good. Rolls out and puts on a fucking man of the match performance. <laughs> Like, shit like that's so fucking cool. But um, a lot like Cameron Smith, where we're so highlights-based right now, when, like, you look at your KP's, your Benji Marshalls, your Roger Tuivasa-Shek's. if you – 10 years from now, if you show your kids, ah, this is Joey Johns and this is, like, Kalen Ponga, you're probably going to think, like, Kalen Ponga was 10 times better because it's very highlights-based. But if you understand the game and you watch it as a whole, just the influence they can have on the game, the 40-20 and the origin, Cameron Smith, when he pulls out and kicks – Man, proper purists really appreciate those types of players and the influence that they had and man Joey was it man Joey was it for me like you used to watch him play and I was like fuck this guy's so good to watch I used to record him and then tap the pause button whenever you get the ball and just go like fuck what's he trying to do here used to have the Andrew John story so far um, videotape which came out in like 2001 and the training drills at the back of that that's how I sort of practice my football in, in the small country town Man, he, he was just my guy, man. Um, loved everything about him, um, the influence that he had. And when, when you've got all the games great, saying like he's, he was the guy.
0: Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
2: Oh man, and like you mentioned as well, the stories off the field, like it just adds to the legend. And I feel like every year I hear another two or three Joey stories that I've never fucking heard before that are unreal. I had, oh, I won't say who, but I had someone on the podcast last year that told me a story that uh, at the end of a night out, they got in a cab with Joey and and he was feeling pretty cook and he was about to vomit in the cab. He said, don't you dare in my car. And he went sweet and he tucked his shirt into his pants and vomited into his (laughs) shirt and held it like a bag till he got home just unreal um yeah mate i I mean any combination of joey with freddie or locky it's going to be an unreal halves combo let's uh let's dive into the engine room mate and uh your front rowers two champions of our game uh petro seven receiver, he's the first one you pick Uh, just going through my timeline did you play with petro
1: he done my acl No, he, um, I was playing the Warriors We played against him At Penrith So we, we were on like A five game win streak It was a weird game We got I think the penalty count Was 13 to nil Against us yeah. We still won Against yeah, Penrith right. uh, he, he dived at my leg And um, done my ACL So I always remember Remember him being tough But I'll probably agree for you With the Freddie Moving into the 13 And I'll probably Bring Burgess down Into my um, Starting pack So Sorry Petro
2: <laughs> <laughs> I think he owes you one brother Don't worry yeah. about it Um you, you fuck
1: my ACL, so you're out. Sorry, buddy.
2: <laughs> Mate, your other front rower, uh, one of my favourite players of all time, Adrian Morley, obviously, uh, the front rower for the Sydney Roosters in the early 2000s, and a guy that really set the standard uh, at the Sydney Roosters. For me, um, there, there was a documentary on KO that came out the other night on Ricky Stewart, and he talks about that 2002 grand final and just how much his forwards really brought into the culture he set. There's, of course, the moment where Richard villasandi hits Brad Fittler late, uh, late yeah. and high, and... Adrian Morley it was like a Michael Jordan moment just took it personally didn't he really went after him
1: yeah um, bro, he, he was one of the guys that made me doubt if I really wanted to play football yeah.
2: like uh, yeah. 2001 I was like oh I just want to play NRL for
1: the Warriors or play for Newcastle and all that sort of shit and you see that guy coming out the fucking line I'm going I don't know if I'm made for this. <laughs> 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 Fucking used to scare me, man. He was the scariest dude. But yeah, loved, loved everything about him. Uh something about those pommy boys when they come down there, they got a chip on your shoulder as well. Like even when you've played over there, they're like, oh like I could play in a row. I could play in a row. But he was one of the guys that was like, shit fucking scary man so you, I think you need enforcers in your team when you're playing halves and you go up and play the roosters like when I was playing half and I play the roosters I sound like the biggest fucking cat on this podcast <laughs> this is <laughs> this is true story so I, I hey, see you're like, in good company don't worry yeah I just go fuck like where's Jared like yeah. Jared's gonna hit me in the back someone now like Russell is gonna hit me in the back you kind of need those guys that have got a bit of fair factor and he was it and then you got him and um Craig Fitzgibbon flying out the, were those were those cunts ever on side? Because that line <laughs> speed was just too crazy, wasn't it? It
2: was, it was that full gang defense too, like it was three and four man tackles every time. It was a real transition time in rugby league.
1: I remember the um when they rolled into maybe 2002 or three, and they were the first team to sort of stand back on the 40 meter for the kickoff. Like yeah. very much like an NFL. A lot of teams just rock up and it's a staggered line. But I remember them just throwing that like fuck, these guys. I don't know, it's just they look like military, they look like fucking robots. So, but Morley Morley was a guy, he looked like a good time on the piss as well.
2: I remember Finchie telling me that, you know, in the lead up to a, a big game, he'd uh, you know, he'd go and make something up, the opposition said to fire Morley up and finchie would walk away <laughs> thinking, how the fuck would I know that, you idiot, but it would work every single yeah. time, he'd be ready to rip and tear. are uh, your hooker, Cam Smith, uh, my selection as well. For me, I think uh, he's right up there with the best player of all time if not Joey Smith is the
1: best player ever, Joey.
2: Like. Yeah, well, yeah, mate. I wasn't sure of me saying. I do think he's the best player, to be honest with you. But I also now put a lot of, a lot of weighing on the fact that we didn't see Joey's entire career, so it's a tough one. But Cam Smith, I think he's the best captain our game has ever seen, without a doubt. Um, mate, win, winners win, and it just became a habit for Cam, didn't it?
1: Yeah, you'd look at someone like Tom Brady and you can kind of really compare their careers and not probably the most athletically gifted, but just something about him, Like like, like all these guys and a lot of guys that we pick in this are very like athletic based. Yep. Like Barbara is huge and top turbo. He's fast and fit and fucking strong as fuck. Man, this guy is just one of those guys you look at and like, oh shit, he looks like me, but then he's nothing like me. And I think it's very unassuming, which makes him like very, very special. And obviously he'd be the captain on my side as well. You've got some pretty good captains in there, but I think he shines brightest out of all of them.
2: I oh, dare I say, mate, I could divide Cam Smith's career in half. And I still think Cam Smith's from the first half or the second half, I still think he's my best hooker of all time. Like it's unbelievable what he achieved.
1: Yeah, like Kobe Bryant as well. You know, when they changed when he changed numbers from eight to twenty four. And he had two Hall of Fame careers. So I think Cameron Smith's in that in that sort of uh, mould as well.
2: Mate, uh, an all Kiwi back row, two of my favourites. We'll start with Sonny Bill Williams first. And um, I'm sure that he's one of your favourites, not only what he achieved in rugby league, but also just what he achieved as a worldwide athlete. I think he was the first guy in rugby league that made us sort of realise that, or made these guys realise that branding is just so important and you can become something bigger than the game. A freakish player, Sonny Bill.
1: Yeah, influence, influence everything like haircuts, (laughs) tattoos, fashion. Um, I remember him, Rini Matua, and Willie, Willie Tonga were like my favorite group of people to watch because I was just like, fuck, these guys are cool, playing in the great side. Look at them going out and partying and shit like that. So, man, like that, that influence when you you become like a global athlete and like you're sp- sponsored by Adidas, like only guys like Beckham and Jonah and Dan Carter, he, he was on that sort of level as well. Obviously, could play as well, but I think all that sort of stuff really interested me a lot more as well.
2: I had uh, I had Brent Sherwin on the podcast at the end of last year, mate, and uh, obviously Sonny Bill, like, like, me as a fan, I just put him on a pedestal. I just think he's he's just on such a high level compared to the vast majority of rugby league players ever, and Shifty told a story that when he had to leave Canterbury, he sent a text out to the boys and he said that within 25 minutes, he had a, he had a knock on the door and he opened it and it was Sonny Bill with, with a case of beer and they polished it off just sitting in his apartment, essentially like I, I, I don't, when I think of Sonny Bill, I don't think of that sort of guy. It's it's crazy when you look back at his career and where he came from. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure you've seen the old tape of him at Redfern Oval getting stuck in in SG ball. Like it's just unreal to look at where he's come from to what he has become. It's unbelievable yeah and like
1: when you're a young kid you sort of look up to football players and you're influenced by like how they act and all that sort of stuff as well but when you get a little bit older you start to appreciate things that they do off the field and as a like grown man you look at his like life and the way he's living and man you're like fuck you're cool as well so man not, not a lot of people transition like that and man he was at the highest of highs every club he went to he influenced he made everyone better I remember michael jennings talking about where he got to the roosters and like that finished a big session and he'd go off and do like Malcolm's and sort of stuff like that. So it made you question like, fuck, am I doing enough? And like, I don't know, he, he was, his mindset towards football was just at that elite level where like when I was playing, we're like, fuck when's our day off. Or, like, Why are we training past two o'clock where he was, he was zoned in and focused every single day. He was the first one there. He was stretching. He'd stretch at night time. So I think we're moving towards that sort of space pretty soon. But, um, he was kind of like the first guy and made him look a little bit weird, but it made him special.
2: Mate, v- just a different breed, SBW. And speaking of different breeds, your other back rower. Um, and mate, I almost feel sorry for my listeners that this is probably almost boring to them because this is essentially the team that I would have fucking picked and they all know it. Ali Lawatidi. um, For me, I still think this is the biggest mistake the New Zealand Warriors have made as a franchise, letting Ali go. He's once described as the Michael Jordan of rugby league. Um, He was Sonny Bill Williams before Sonny Bill Williams for me.
1: Yeah, 100%. I got to play with him, bro. He was at Wakefield when I was there and he was my back row, bro. He was still gun too. And obviously a little bit older and a bit bigger, but still had all that sort of shit going on. Um, But yeah, just a special time. Obviously, I was about 10, 11 when he was really firing. And I I told him that this, um, we were driving towards Mount Spartan Stadium one time. It was called Ericsson Stadium at the time. And he drove past me in the car and waved to me. I was like, oh shit, that's only little (laughs) RTD. And I always remember that, bro. And he was driving with his wife and obviously got to play with him and shit like that. But like, he was a guy. And I remember, like, Gordon Tallis saying, like, if you got to play off anyone, who would it be? And they say, like, Gordon Tallis is one of the game's best back rowers and one of the biggest enforcers. And they all saying like, TD, like, he was the guy. So, man, he was special to watch. Obviously, he influenced guys like Sonny Bill, the way um, offloads and all that sort of style of football sort of come about. Man, that 2002, 2001 time with the Warriors was a special time. It was, like, that offloading style and everyone sort of bought into it. And it was great to watch.
2: Man, I think it'd be really interesting to see, you know, if the Warriors would have beaten the Roosters in 2002, where we hold Ali Lawatiti, how his career unfolded. For me, if he's a pre- if he's one of the first Premiership winners for the New Zealand Warriors, I don't think he ever leaves. It's amazing to think where the career of Stacey Jones would have been, where the career of Ali Laotiti would have been. Ivan clear he was the fullback in that side as well. I mean, that could have been unbelievable. They were so good for the next two or three years after, but if you put a bit of success in there at Premiership, I think it changes the game forever
1: yeah 100% and like he was a guy that put his faith before everything so the reason why he left like the ceo goes oh do you put like a premiership above god and he said no (laughs) and he goes oh you probably don't deserve to be here like that shit wouldn't fucking fly anymore you know what i mean
2: yeah so
1: and like and and to his credit he goes oh i just never pictured myself playing against anyone but the warriors so he went over to leeds and, and had a great career over there and won plenty of comps and done a lot of great things but fuck leaves your mind wondering doesn't it
2: oh man i had um i had clinton Torpy on the podcast and he mentioned okay. uh, oh man champion fella absolute legend he um he mentioned the day that it was announced that Ali was leaving and he was just sort of like what the fuck are we doing like on the list of things we shouldn't do that has to be number one letting this guy go unbelievable how it played out for the new zealand warriors yeah 100 so
1: um another guy that you wish sort of stuck around a little bit longer or or um, David Solomona. Yeah. Like he, he, I remember his offloads and stuff. And obviously, he like, got to know him pretty well. Um, and he like, some of the shit he was, them two. Uh, obviously, Ali was a bit more well known and stuff like that. But man, Solomon, like, he was put roosters, um, eels, and they were good to watch.
2: Mate, the, the other guy that Ali played with that I, that obviously went over to England, I believe he played a lot of footy over there in Leeds with him, was Brent Webb. Um, I remember every time he played for the Kiwis, he would absolutely torch the kangaroos. He, he was a guy that I think if they would have kept him and Laotiti, the, the franchise story is completely different at the Warriors. Oh,
1: obviously, you know, talking to me here, I kind of love storylines. And when Reese Walsh sort of signed, I was yeah. like, oh, is, is this our little Brent Webb moment here for the Warriors? Good looking dude. Got a bit of footy about him. Kind of small as well. Uh, but, yeah, like, watching them at Leeds as well, Brent, where was mad to watch. Like, him and uh, Brett Hodgson stripped a three-on-two every day of the week, and um, our coaches used to get us watching those types of players, but, fuck, they were good to watch.
2: Mate, let's move to Jersey 13, the last player you've selected. Uh, you're going for Sam Burgess, uh, obviously a champion of our game, one of the toughest hombres of all time, and... I mean, I'm having a look. I mean, as, if you take out Cam Smith, the only forward you picked that's a kangaroo is Petro Sevinasibi. You've got Morley, Burgess, two pomms, You've got an all-Kiwi back row. A very good mixture. And Sam Burgess, I mean, th- th- those few years that he was in the NRL, 2014 is obviously the highlight. What he did at that grand final night going up against James Graham. Uh, you know, and I hear them talk about, you know, like, in my mind, it, it was no fluke that these two ran into each other on the first play, Right.
1: Yeah, yeah, and no, no way in the world. But like you said, you know how you would have picked Freddie as your thirteen. Yeah. A team full of Burgess would probably be right as well. Um, I don't know how well he kicks, but he probably can do that as well. <clears throat> like before, like he sort of got that that X factor about him. Like when when South used to run on the field, it's like fuck where's GI. Then oh fuck, there's Sam Burgess right behind him. So like there's no floor in this game. He could he could do that tough run. He could hang out wide and run a line for you. He could ball play. Um... He was a leader. He was an enforcer. Uh, I think when he's behind the line and he's talking, I think people are listening. I think that's really important. Um, he was just a guy, bro. I, like I loved everything about him. And people always go Tomalolo, Burgess. Oh, I was like, I'll pick Burgess every day yeah. of the week. You know what yeah. I mean? Like he'll come out the line and put a shot in you. Where well, Tomalolo's probably got one of the best carries we've ever seen. Um, but I think just more well, like more well-rounded, passionate. But I don't know.
2: Man, I, I still remember the first time I saw Sam Burgers, you know, it was when you, 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 yeah, man, I mean, you used to get up at the crack of dawn and watch those games over there in the mud and in the shit. And they, they, it was a line dropout and Moimoy returned it. And this fucking 18 year old just leveled him. And that was when Moimoy, like he was, he was one of the peak front rowers in our game. No, no one was putting him on his back, let alone whacking him. Mm, and at 18,
1: man, and like yeah. he's, he's the same age as me, 88. I remember just, I was thinking I was in, still in high school. I was going, bro, wow, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't be doing that so yeah I don't know he's had a really special career and um, yeah I don't know I've always loved watching him play and obviously when he went to Union come straight back and just fit straight in it's just like the hard thing is like RTS obviously finishing football now the one thing about rugby league and those types of guys they never get to experience the Origin Arena yeah. and that's why we we pay homage to all these other guys like Johns in 2005 when he come back in the second game and Alfie won, and Smith and um, Lockyer, the try that started the eight- year run like they never get to experience these moments which which is um which which is fair like I'm not gonna go in and bat for this for like why these guys should play but just would love to see. Burgers and and a New South Wales jersey, wouldn't you?
2: Oh, mate, the reality is, like, when we look back at legends, like, all the guys we've spoken about here, they have moments that they own. I mean, we we mentioned Greg Inglis. A lot of the big moments, the the reason why everyone picks him at centre in their best teams is because of what he did in origin. You look at what Freddie achieved in origin. Lockie, 2006 scoop in the intercept. Joey, 05 in origin. I mean state of origin allows guys to own the biggest stages and the biggest moments that people never forget. A lot of these guys don't get that opportunity. As you mentioned, mate, uh, Sam Burgess, for me, one of my favorite stories, we, we had Jackson Hastings on the podcast last year. He's obviously returned to the NRL next year, which is going to be exciting.
1: He's Tigers. He's going Tigers.
2: Tigers. Yeah, man. So it's going to be interesting whether he plays 13, seven, if Brooksy maybe goes, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. But, uh, he said that when he made his first grade debut, he was coming off the pine for the Chooks. They were playing South Sydney. And he said he got up, he got his number, he was all excited, he was emotional, and Sam Burgess subbed off as he was getting ready to go on, and Burgess mm. walked past him and stood next to him and goes, you're in for a tough fucking night, <laughs> and sat down, <laughs> and Jack said he almost dropped his fucking number.
1: Yeah, get me back on the bench, no. coach. Please.
2: <laughs> get me back in the stands. No, thank you.
1: Mate, I, um, I had this I had this random theory one time and it was just a fucking throwaway thought, but um obviously Dally M was pretty well known for like when New Zealand went over to England and he was the one Australian they got to play. Yeah. if the um, origin had a Daly M card. So each origin you've got one guy who's not Australian that can slot in.
2: If you uh, were uh if you were Paul Green this year, who would you have chosen? Tom Malolo. Straight away, yeah.
1: Straight away He's my guy He's won me a comp um, We can't get any Fucking go forward <laughs> Tom Alola's is my guy Back in When when Queensland Were firing Like do you pick up A Jared Warrior Hardgraves Or do you pick up A Sam Burgess Or do you pick up um, A Roger tuivasa Sheck to play Like wing Like I don't think it takes Away from the game But man One, one Dell EM card And we're going to Pay homage to one of The greatest players To ever do it I think that'd be A great way to do it
2: It's like the uh, Draw four in UNO eh? Yeah pretty much Pretty much Have down And do <laughs>
1: And this is very much WWE wrestling. Like, imagine if you didn't know who the player was going to be,
2: <laughs> and they just walk out with the smoke and everything, and be gone.
1: And then you play the national anthem, and then like, who's our DLM car going to be? And you go, no, You got the whole stadium, bro. And then big fucking Sammy Burgess walks through, with a bit of smoke and bit of Goldberg. Fucking, I don't know. Very very theatrical, but fuck it, would be hypey.
2: Oh mate, you've just offended the traditionalists more than you'll ever know, haven't you? <laughs> they already hate
1: me anyway, so that's a good. Buzz just
2: fell off his chair. <laughs> Mate tell me obviously this 13 an unreal 13 for me for you who was the hardest player to leave out if we if we take out the Freddie and Lockie argument who was the next hardest player to leave out for you
1: uh Jonathan Thurston yeah i think for me i'm very biased towards halves obviously i played the position so i think it's the best position in the world um but yeah just what he was able to do man he was special, and obviously when you measure up all his stats and stuff next to Joey and stuff like that, it's pretty interesting. Just love the way he played the game. wasn't too big. Um, one of my coaches used to say, "His, you know, when he was worth a, where's worth of weight, he's worth his weight in gold in tackle five. When whenever someone was getting a line break, or he was always there. He was always in the screen. He was always trying to stop tries. Him and Matty Ball. had a great read on the game. Um, whenever people falling over the line, he was there somewhere. So I really love that competitive spirit about him and. Uh, Yeah, I think he was mine. Who's yours?
2: To be honest with you, I I actually just forgot what I asked you.
1: (laughs) What was the question? Who was the hardest to leave out? uh,
2: Hardest for me? I think Thurston, I agree, he would be right up there. Um, I always really loved Ricky Stewart as a halfback as well. I know that you couldn't pick him over Joey, but I loved the way that he went about his footy. Um, I loved Mal Meninga as well. I think Mal, very hard to leave out. I prefer the way that Jamie Lyon played. I love the creativity and the sort of old school style that he had. But I really, I love the way that Mal Meninga used to play his footy. And, you know, you obviously mentioned before, I mean, and I had him on my podcast, he spoke about it, MG. Like, I, I cannot imagine MG standing across from anyone going, fuck, he looks fearsome. But to see Mal and to get that sort of reaction, I think it's unreal. Um, another guy that I always really liked. Yeah.
1: But if, you, if you went Mal Meninga prime versus prime GI – how does, that, how does that play out in your mind?
2: Honestly, um, it's probably controversial, but I would go Mal. I just think the presence that he had and, you know, obviously GI had that as well, but I just think that if you were to put Mal into the modern game under the modern sports science, the modern conditions, the modern rules, mate, I just think he would be unbelievable. So, some of those old tapes you see of Mal where, you know, and realistically, if Mal played now, is he a centre or is he a back rower? Where, where, where do you think he would play?
1: Is he Tomalolo? is he? Is that how you see him?
2: Uh, he's, like, he's like David Fafita. If David Fafita was consistent for 80 minutes every fucking week, like it's just – it's Mal, he just never missed a contest. And uh, the, as I said, R- Ricky Stewart, there was a documentary that came out on him the other night, and he, he put it perfectly with Mal. He said, if Mal Mening is in my team, as long as he steps across the white line, I don't care how he plays. He can play the worst game of his life. doesn't matter. We're going to win because we've got the confidence of having Mal in our team. I mm. mean, from one of the best halfbacks we've ever seen – is there a greater compliment?
1: Yeah, 100, so, something in that forearm guard, I think.
2: Yeah. Oh, mate, what about that? was <laughs> like carrying a fridge on his arm.
1: Uh, him, Stacey Jones, Ruben Wicki. dangerous that. Yeah, Ricky Stewart. I remember Timmy Smith. We were talking about him when obviously they were coaching that, when he was coaching that para. Fuck, he reckons he could still zing a ball pretty far, away. Eh? Like, oh. he's like, Timmy, get out, get out. And he's like, standing 20 way. He goes, nah, fucking keep
2: going. <laughs> well, I can only imagine as well, sticky. Like, obviously, when he's passing a ball now, Mate, it must be like being in cruise control with these new footballs. He was throwing around a fucking a, a wet brick when he was playing football and still throwing it 20, 30 metres. His kicking game was... Oh, I still think it's the best long kicking game we've ever seen. And But he used um, to torpy all of them. Mate, he used to torpy with a fucking leather ball. Like, it, like it's imagine him, if you put him in the modern game with these balls. Like, these balls are essentially designed to kick and pass nowadays, essentially. They're made on a computer... As I said, mate, Ricky used used to kick around a wet brick into corners and beat teams. It was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember. Like, I obviously, watched the game, but it's such a different time back then, eh? Like, you see some of the tries they get rolled through. Like, I'm, I'm a little biased towards the future. I'm like, surely, like a Melbourne Storm would be able to stop these boys, or you, Man, can, I mean, you I, can have these hypothetical arguments forever, couldn't
2: you? Oh, for sure. And like, I mean, like with all due respect to all the immortals we had, I mean, if you take if you take these modern guys back 70 years. Mate, it's, it's it's kids in a schoolyard essentially. Like mm-hmm. the game has just changed so much that it is hard to get around
1: just palming off Fatty. I yeah. it, can see Fatty in your background. <laughs> just like- fatty Vorton ain't stopping GI. No. I'll fucking tell you that right now.
2: No, but I mean, the advantage Paul Vorton had is that he was, he was playing brickies and plumbers essentially. You know, you put it, it's a changing <laughs> yeah, of that guard <laughs> of the guys that you're taking on now. And, and look, you, you can make that argument for Mal Meninga, obviously. Um, but yeah, I, I would have him. Slightly, I, I would probably put him to to get the better of GI. But as I said, I, geez, you you you're really picking <laughs> finite things between the two, aren't you? Just two champion players.
1: Yeah, very different builds as well. So yeah, I'd take GI.
2: Where does uh, where does Latrell finish in ten years' time?
1: Um, wherever he wants to finish.
2: <laughs> uh, are, are, are we are we having him, are we throwing him into that three way argument? In 10 years time
1: uh, uh, Yeah it depends he, He's got to jag a couple of Comps for South So I reckon If he gets two I reckon you, you can't deny Deny him You know And he's gonna He's gonna roll into A New South Wales side Very much like GI rolled into A Queensland side They're probably gonna win Nine out of the next ten Eight, eight out of the next ten Anyway so um, Fuck
2: you reckon then, Yeah Fuck I don't know man I reckon New South Wales we Always get ahead of ourselves We always Oh we got a better team than them We'll be fine Mate, You've won the,
1: four out of the last five. You only need to win, like, another four.
2: Yeah, it's eight, eight fair. Hours. But, mate, once that Queensland team, once they get their whole team on the park, I mean, once you put KP back in, once you put Harry Grant back in, if they can get their whole team on the park yeah. the entire series, I – yeah, and I, and, I, and I think right now, I know we're all blowing up about, um, about the blowouts and the rules and everything at the moment, blah, blah, blah. For me, I just think it really is a transition period. I mean, fuck, is it any shock to you that – the teams that aren't getting blown out every week are the teams that are well-coached. I mean, we brought these rules in last year. Everyone absolutely loved them. Then all of a sudden you gave the best coaches in the game four months to do tape to work out how they're going to take advantage of them. And shock me, the best teams are up the top again.
1: Uh, there's an old saying, "Cream always rises to the top. Oh. And they—they they could you could change half the rules tomorrow. And I'll, I'll give you a fair indication of who's going to be at the top of the table this time next year. Mate, you already yeah. know
2: who's going to be on top of the table next year. It doesn't yeah. mean, you can, like you You could change the shape of the ball. You know who's going to be on top.
1: Yeah, they'll figure it out and they always do. Yeah. Like I said, cream always rises and man, but you, but you need you need great organization structure as well. So you need great admin, great coaching, great players. And um, those, those Melbournes, the Roosters, um, all those teams, teams always seem to be up there because they've got that nice little flow.
2: And mate, it's a copycat league over the next year. You'll have the the teams that are at the bottom right now that, that can't work out their ass from their head that are doing the same thing as Melbourne. But in 12 months' time, Melbourne will be doing something different. They would have found the next edge to take advantage of what they were doing 12 months ago. It's it, It's been the same sort of phase and transition over the last 15 years in rugby league. Yeah, but you can't you can't
1: copycat talent, can you? Yeah. So at the end of the day, it's a superstar league. And when the game's on the line, there's two types of people. There's people that don't want the ball and there's people that do want the ball. And those guys Who do want the ball Are usually the ones That are paid the most And they're the ones That can execute So when the game's on the line Man that's why these guys Get paid millions of dollars Because Fucking They don't feel the pressure They want the pressure They see pressure as a privilege So Man, And that's always That's always going to be the case Whenever there's a great player There's always going to be a team that rises up No matter what sport you play You look at tennis There's always Rafael Nadal And then fucking You know I mean There's always someone Federer There's always someone that's going to rise to the challenge Penrith are flying Melbourne are going to rise Melbourne are flying Someone else is going to rise Whenever you look at sports There's always someone that's going to be balancing them out But the one thing that's going to separate them is talent
2: Without a doubt, mate, and I can I ask you this, but before I let you go, you've obviously got at the moment the three teams at the top. Can I ask you, if the Roosters had their entire squad, are they are they the fourth best team? Would you have them on top of Manly, on top of Penrith? Are they equal with the Melbourne Storm? Where would you have the, those Roosters, boys, if they had their entire squad? Because they're not. I mean, they're not fucking that far off at the moment. Missing, I'm going to say probably three million dollars worth of talent and about a thousand games of first grade.
1: Yeah um, Yeah they're right up there Obviously I think they're just A little bit tired bro Like yep. everyone gets up To play the Roosters And a lot of them Are getting head knocks Right now So you gotta think Like a lot of the times When you play football You're like Oh we'll play Titans And then we've got The Roosters next week This is our big test So over the last Three four years They've been the big test Where everyone just like And then more collisions Faster games You're playing in origin A lot of head knocks Start to come But they're right up there bro They're like I said, great teams like cream always rises and talent. They're just missing a bit of talent. You've got great admin, great coaching. You look at your players. You just, like you said, you're missing $3 million worth of talent. And in this competition, it
2: matters. Mate, uh, in your dream changes, Joey, uh, get to wear the C next to his name. No,
1: nah, I got Cam Smith, um, just a bit more steady. I had Thurston on one of my benches as well, just in case Joey wanted to have a big one the night before. We could just swap him in and out. So I was starting to think along these lines as well as an actual coach. Now I think Cameron Smith. Um, obviously Joey's got the old old. He'd, he'd, he'd run the team. Um, you know the old saying: you don't need to see next to your name to be like a leader. He'd be that guy for me. Yeah. But yeah, it was partial to a blow up with the old mouth guard coming out. You know. So I just want a nice, calm leader, and I think Smithy's the guy.
2: As you said, mate, obviously Cam Smith, I think he'd be the skipper in the first half and the second half. In the third half, though, Joey Johns would definitely take over. They'd do some damage off the field, these two halves, wouldn't they, Joey and Freddie?
1: Yeah, 100%. Just got to let them do their thing and can't really tell those players what to do. They're great for a reason, and obviously that carries on outside the field as well. So a little bit different, and that's what makes them great.
2: Ice, mate, I really appreciate your time. Once again, second time you've come on, and hopefully I'm trying to organise with Jackson. We can have you on before the finals to uh, give a little preview there. Always appreciate your time and uh, everything you've sort of done for me without even probably realising it, uh, just following your content and everything every day. Thoroughly appreciate your time, brother.
1: Thanks, bro. Uh, get me on any time you want, so appreciate you.
2: See you later. Imagine. Thanks, mate.
0: Market. Market.